You know, I think you hit it on the head why I don't do that anymore. I was going to say, you don't seem like the kind of person to, like, shepherd someone and be like, listen, man, like, it sounds really good. Let's just, like, keep trying it. Seem like I, you're the guy that's like, listen, <laughs> I know I can do better than you. I don't want to be rude about it. So maybe I just shouldn't be in this chair. <laughs> correct me if I, I'm wrong. I think, and I, I'm not going to correct you. Actually, I will correct you. I didn't say that. Mm-hmm. I said, try it again. Just try not to suck this time. Oh, right, 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 right. You're listening to For the Record, conversations about music, mixing, and the creative industry. Our guest today is Judson Brown. Judson is a singer and performing artist. He has produced four albums for his band, the Judson Brown Band, and tours year-round with his band, Bella Kane. Hello, Judson. Hello, Jeremiah. How have you been? Uh, it, it's been a year. Right, yeah. It's probably Also, it's probably been a year since we like spoke. I believe it probably has. Possibly more than that. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, you've been busy. I've, yes, uh, yes. Uh, well, we both have. We really have. Yeah, I've, I've been busy selling beer, man. You've been busy. <laughs> you've been busy uh, chasing... Uh, Chasing the dream here, man. Right. Yeah. No, it's a, uh, yeah, it's been crazy. It's a whole thing. That's a different thing though. But uh, all of the things that I know about you, which is a deep catalog, <laughs> um, the people listening maybe don't. So who are you? That is true. All right. Well, I am a singer, songwriter, producer, guitarist, multi-instrumentalist, uh, Every, basically everything you need to do for uh, the music business, uh, but more the creative side of the music business, I've learned to do at least some of it. Probably not so much so because I can't uh, work with other people, but I don't want to be bound by, uh, trapped by ignorance at any point. So like if I need to communicate with my drummer or my piano player or my bass player, I can either tell them what I'm thinking about or take their instrument and kind of play it for them and be like, all right, that's what I'm thinking. And then they'll be like, oh, that's great. Or you suck or, but they'll get the idea. (laughs) Right. So I do that. Um, Produced a lot of recordings. I mean, that was kind of my first love. I thought I would be when I was, well, I guess younger than you now. I always like to say like when I was your age, I wanted to (laughs) know. Can't say that no more. I can't. I mean, I can still say stuff back when I was your age, but I probably wasn't doing all the cool stuff that you're doing <laughs> at your age. Oh, stop. I, uh, what I did when I was uh, a high school kid, mm-hmm. I thought for sure that this business, if you were in the music business, it would be I'm in a band, I'm playing my guitar, we're signed to a record label mm-hmm. because that's what bands did back then. Yep. I hear some still do, but I don't know any bands that do it. <laughs> That's the key word, bands. Mm-hmm. I thought I'd be in a band. I'd be the guitarist for that band. That band would be writing original songs, and uh, we'd be um, somehow making money from this. That's what <laughs> I thought we'd be doing. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't understand that there was so many other things that you could be and had to be in order to... Uh, do music, which I've found out over the course of my life is something I have to do. Mm -hmm. It's not, I always tell people, if you can do anything else, like if you can 
if you can be a painter, if you can be an HVAC professional and, and you know, like that, mm-hmm. by all means, like you should do that and then do guitar as a hobby or sing as a hobby. Yeah. But if you have to be a musician, like if that's what you have to be mm-hmm. in order for your brain not to explode on right. itself, then then that's what you have to do. Mm-hmm. And it's not something I'd recommend for anyone that <laughs> could do something else. Right. But as you know, like if you have to do it, you have to do it. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. When I got started, like, and I was probably either in middle school or in high school, the, the vision in my brain for a future of music was kind of like yours. It was like the only option is I get big and famous with my guitar and singing abilities. And I was like, I'm good, but I feel like in the world, I've got pretty weak game. And so I was, weak game. That is the best read of weak game I've ever heard, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. And so I was just like, well, I guess music's not an option because I, I, I had a realistic view of myself. I was like, I'm good. I'm not that good. But as kind of life progressed, you start to see these bigger options. And, and for me, at least, I realized I could take my, my abilities and my creativity and I could kind of couple that with other people that had certain talents that I didn't have. And we could like, pool our abilities and make something really cool well that's what bands were remember those oh yeah oh yeah yeah bands that was the idea with bands but i just don't hear about a whole lot of new bands coming out you have a band i do have a band tell me about the band my band is named after me the band that bears your name yeah (laughs) um and we did that for a while all colleen um colleen karazek my fiance Mm. um she uh, probably did more than anyone to push me into starting my own band because mm-hmm. I'd had, um, I, I mean, obviously I'm part of other bands. I've been in bands since I was 16 yeah. and I had a uh, bands and acoustic duos and stuff like that where, uh, we were under a name, something like that, but it was an entity that wasn't me. And she said, when we start this, it's like, you should use your own name that way. If it's just you, people know what to expect. If it's you and me, it's we know what to expect. If it's a full band, it's still that one brand, mm-hmm. and you're kind of the face of it. And I'm like, ah, okay, cool. So that's how Judson Brown Band started, and you know, it's very malleable thing because I have to get my creative band in and around the other project. We'll talk about that too. That I do to make money. I mean, I make money probably almost as much with both now, but certainly oh, nice. when it started, it was a side project. Yeah. And uh, it, was, it started as a way to do originals because if you're trying to do this as a living, and there's a lot of things you can do, like you're mm-hmm. doing a studio. Right. I tried that a little bit, mm-hmm. didn't enjoy working with other people or being uh, subjugated to the will of another artist. Basically, mm-hmm. it was like, these are my ideas and it's my uh, project at the end of the day. Yeah, and we will gonna... definitely circle back to that. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, <laughs> that sounds like fun. Yeah. So it was um, kind of a way to um, get all of the music that I was working on in my head out and produced and uh, into the world mm-hmm. a little bit. So. That's kind of how it started. Um, then we just started playing, and then 
you know, we've settled on a format of guitar, violin, and bass. And mm-hmm. if we need so, we can hire a drummer and we can play that. So it's pretty pretty flexible as to what we can do live. So we play, you know, little coffee houses. We play, we did a show at Harley, House of Harley in Wisconsin a couple of weeks ago as nice. a full band. And that mm-hmm. was great too. And they really liked us. Yeah. So it's like finally starting to get some recognition on the larger larger scene with my own name which is just fantastic so yeah there's that but that is where i record all of my original songs mm-hmm. i produce everything uh show the demos to uh colleen and greg you know violin and bass and i usually do the arrangements mm-hmm. and then they you know will suggest uh changes to the arrangements and that kind of makes it a band and so it's kind of a combination one mad guy uh producing demos and saying like hey listen to this song that i just recorded this is great and a band environment because everyone does have their opportunity to give feedback right well and it's it's probably like you start with an idea in each of the arrangements you know like the violin's gonna do this and and you're like here you go colleen because she plays the violin for you yes right she plays the violin so if you're like here i came up with this part and she's like that's great and then she kind of does essentially the same thing but kind of gives her own little like personality into it yeah, for sure. Uh, and you kind of hit that on the head with personality because mm-hmm. most of the time I'll write out the notes yeah. for what I want her to play, but mm-hmm. leave the articulation and the bowing and the feeling and the emotion, all those decisions up to her. Yeah, so. and that's where you get the band. That's why it's a band and not Judson Brown and the people that he hires to play with him. <laughs> right, 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 right. So you kind of split your time. So most musicians split their time between I do music and I do my source of income, which is a, another job. Something it, else. It's yeah. right. It's, it's the bummer of the situation, but it's how it goes a lot of the time. Uh, but you split your time between two different musical loves. Yeah. Tell, tell us a little bit about that. Well, I do, uh, you know, there's uh, every musician splits the time. The fact that I do it between two is, Almost unheard of. I don't know. Everyone usually plays with five different bands or ten mm-hmm. different bands or they job and they do different stuff. Yeah. So I do two things. I do Judson Brown Band, which is my creative outlet where I write all my songs and where, uh, you know, obviously we make money doing that too. We play, you know, 100 shows a year with that band Yeah. on average. Um, and then my other band is Bella Kane, which is a country rock party band. It's a cover band, but we bring uh, we bring thousands of dollars of production to every show, mm-hmm. and that one is more of you are doing top forty in all the genres pop. You know, it's your your standard top forty cover band mm-hmm. where you're there to put on a show. You're there to sell alcohol. Yeah, um, wish we could be selling coffee because that's probably better for people. But you know what? You show up, you drink your Coors Light. Uh, and you will have a good time, and that mm-hmm. is my—that's my day job. And as far as day jobs go, it's pretty sweet. Yeah, because at the same time, if your day job is, um, you know, if your day job is installing furnaces, mm-hmm. let's say something like that, like there's a specific way you, you have to do it. Not a whole lot of options with creativity, but with my day job, we have three lead vocalists, and I'm one of them. Mm-hmm. And every song I sing. 
every night I get to try to reconnect with that song and find the emotion in it. Mm-hmm. And I have the opportunity to act that emotion out in front of an audience, which that process alone, like I could sing the same songs every night and that process gives me new life every time I do it. So mm-hmm. as day jobs go, it's just amazing. Yeah. yeah. I've been to one of your shows. You saw us at Nico's, didn't you? I did, yeah. You were the I'm... only guys sitting down the entire... No, okay. <laughs> you guys, you uh, you were there. No, it no, wasn't Ben. Wasn't it, it was wasn't Josh. You. It was Josh, okay. Josh. All right. It was actually a funny story. So Josh is a good friend of mine. He, like, there was a day that he and another friend were talking about this, like, awesome band that they saw, yada, 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 this and that, and they mentioned the name, and I was like, Bella came... Oh, I was like... I know like one of the lead singers in that band and he's like, what? Cause he kind of had this like, kind of like starstruck like view of it. I was like, yeah, he's in my life. That's his, right. There he is. That's Judson. I was like, and then, but yeah, so I went to one of the shows with him. We weren't the only two sitting down. There was, so there was, there's, let me just say it from the (laughs) stage perspective where I was. There are people sitting down because there's a dinner area. Right. Then there's the parking lot, you know, which where there's a big stage, there's a big parking lot, and that's where all the people are. Everyone's standing <laughs> up. And you guys have three chairs that you just brought out. Okay, so here's and the you're thing. You're sitting at the end of the parking lot. I'm like, <laughs> Jeremiah is doing the most punk rock thing he can possibly so, do at one of our shows. So it was so funny because there was, a, there was a third guy, like you said, that we didn't know. And I think he was like the designated driver of like his group. And so he was just like chilling. And so he brought out a chair in the middle of like the kind of center, not really mosh pit, but kind of like everyone's doing their own thing. By the way, nobody space. moshes at our shows except right. Nico's, <laughs> where a fight breaks out every single time. Oh, We're man. playing so, there tonight, by the way. Oh, really? <laughs> so he planted there. And then me and Josh were like, that's really funny. Let's join him. And so like the three of us were sitting in like these high chairs in the middle of everyone standing. I see. So you saw somebody <laughs> being weird and you were like, you know what? We're like, that sounds like something we that's would do. That's the move. Yeah. That's the move. It was, it was interesting. It was inviting to some other things that, that drunken people thought was really funny. Like, let's jump on their lap. It was, so it wasn't really the smartest move for me at the time. And I was just a little bit out of my element at the time. So. A little bit. But yeah, it was it you, was great. you were probably you were probably just allowed in there at that point. I right? had to have a wristband because I was under twenty one. <laughs> yeah, and then there was a guy who showed me his badge, said that he was a cop, and he's like, "I will go get you alcohol," and I was like, "No, pass, hard pass, thank you." Man, that's your. It was such a weird night, but you guys were great. <laughs> <laughs> it was such a weird night. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I hear that a lot about our shows. <laughs> Oh man. Okay. So, well, bringing it in back to kind of your story, what way back in the beginning, you've always been into music, but what was the turning point where you're like, I want to actually do this like as a career? Like you kind of said that you feel like there was no other option when, and how did that kind of process happen? Well, you know, that's actually a really funny story. Um, I don't know how funny it is, <laughs> but, um, <clears throat> if you, to be honest, the, Music was something, I always did it. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that that had to be my career. Mm-hmm. But it was something that I always did, and I kind of fell into it. I kind of fell into playing. When I graduated college uh, with a degree in acoustics, which is basically like treating rooms, by the way. This room seems oh. like it's treated pretty well. Shucks, thanks, man. Yeah, I know. You did such a great job. No, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank For you. These lights. Uh, no, this is, this is good. Uh, so I graduated with my degree in acoustics, and then rather than, because I thought 
when I went in to study acoustics, mm -hmm. that I'd be designing controlled rooms, that I'd be designing performance venues. Yeah. Turns out most of the money in acoustics is environmental acoustics, which is essentially uh, there is an air conditioner on the top of this building and it's making noise and keeping everyone across the street up. We need to design a barrier for that. There is a road that's noisy. We need to figure out a barrier for that. We need to calculate the truck noise that's going to be on this highway. Mm -hmm. That's most of the jobs in acoustics. Yeah. So rather than do that, I just couldn't bring myself to stop playing music mm -hmm. uh, at the rate that I was, which is at that point still practicing eight hours a day on my guitar for some reason. Not sure why I hadn't realized I needed to be a singer yet. Uh, so I, I just didn't get a job. <laughs> so hold on. This is how I became a musician. Graduated college. And I sort of didn't go to work. <laughs> just started playing my guitar every day. Right, right. Yeah. And then it wasn't too long before somebody said, hey, 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 you play guitar, right? And I'm like, yeah. Actually, he was in a country band. She was like, hey, you play guitar, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, this guy was a spoke with a very fake southern accent because uh, he was born in Chicago. Anyway, so <laughs> he's like, yeah, do you want to play guitar for my band? And I'm like, yeah, I do because I need money. And uh, my college, don't have a job. Yeah, my college band uh, kind of was like we were all original, so we had no gigs. Yeah, <laughs> no, no gig. Like, I I didn't think you could play and make money from playing. Like, mm -hmm. I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, I know that I want to get to this thing where I'm playing guitar in a band and making lots of money, but I have no idea how to get there. I couldn't yeah. want that in a meaningful way mm -hmm. because there were no steps forward except just playing. So I was just playing my guitar, mm -hmm. not go, not getting a job, you know. Right. Um, I kind of did that. So the guy's like, "Hey, do you want to play guitar for my band?" I'm like, "Yeah, cool." And I think I, you know, played and made like twenty bucks that first show. Okay. So I was off Very to the nice. races, man. I had a twenty, and you got to remember, son, back in back in my day, twenty dollars was still not a lot of money, but <laughs> it was worth like like thirty dollars now. So we're actually hey. almost like forty because you you know. Uh, it was good. I was excited. I made some money. So I did that. And then somebody uh, came and said, hey, we're opening up a music store in Woodstock. And uh, I was like, oh, cool. I can go and do that. I came in and I played some played some guitar for the owner. He's like, all right, you're great. Uh, have you ever taught before? And I lied. And I was like, yeah, I have. <laughs> that wasn't the place that you were teaching when I got not. there, right? No, okay. no, this is, no, 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 no. Because by, by the time I taught you guitar... Yeah, I a little background. Judson was my guitar teacher. That's how I met him. He, yep. he taught me like 20% of the things I know. And that's a pretty good percentage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. So the, uh, yeah, so this is this is the, the test run, you know, like mm -hmm. uh, you can either go to, uh, go to school for something, but like I, I had education in, you know, performance. I knew how to play. Yeah. But I'd never taught before. And so well, I'm just going to get out there and suck for a while until I get better. And by the time I got to you, I, I think I was a lot better. Than, yeah. uh, I know I was a lot better than when I started. You seemed great. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's, I get that a lot yeah. <laughs> from people um, in a lot of ways. Like, you seemed great. Um, <laughs> but I did. And I think actually uh, when I got to you, that was like the peak of my ability as a teacher. Because mm -hmm. it was right after I had learned everything about teaching, I learned 
how to convey everything. And before I burnt out on it, that was when you came in nice. and it was great. And then like a year later after that, I don't know what it was with the new group of kids, but like they stopped practicing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was nothing I could do. And I asked friends that had also been guitar teachers for like 10 years. Yeah. What is wrong with the new students? <laughs> Is it just me? Am I burning out? And they're like, no, no. It's I don't know. It's something about the parenting. Well, it's- not to not to like toot my own horn, but I think in my era there was like me and one other kid that you were like we had half hour lessons, but we would go for like an hour, and you're like, I don't care. This is great. Yes, <laughs> yes, you, you did. You were definitely a bright spot. <laughs> and, That's comforting. And yeah. I feel like when you have a couple students that are like that, it kind of gives you hope for the others that are just like giving excuses as to why they didn't practice. Yeah, you know? but what happened is some of the other ones that were just like regular kids that I had when I had them still like, you know, a year after you left, they were like the bright spots. The one that would just practice like 20 minutes a week, you know, maybe total was a bright spot because everyone else <laughs> wouldn't have even looked at the thing. Yeah, And then they'd forget what I taught them. Like, anyway, this is why I'm not a guitar teacher anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Which, this is fascinating, fascinating pod right now. Yes. Sure. No, I'm I'm loving this. Yeah, fascinating pod. (laughs) Hell, everyone, you tune in to hear about the music industry. Let's talk about how kids can't practice their guitar (laughs) for 20 minutes. Uh, Well, then, to get us back on track, you were talking about... Like the progression of things, you started working at the the shop in, in Woodstock. You were still playing in a band, kind of at the time. Uh yeah, I always played in a band. So when I got in that guy's band, I was I was in. Mm-hmm. I, I was playing guitar for this guy's band, and uh, we never got we got better. But as a band, we never got good because we were limited by his ability as a vocalist and as a manager. Mm-hmm. And then the only good thing about that is a couple of years later, uh, the band leader for Bella Kane saw me and said, hey, you need to be in my band because I'd kind of gotten to a point in my guitar playing where I wasn't trying to just put as many fancy licks into every song mm-hmm. as I could. I was just kind of trying to make good music with my guitar. And yeah. that was what he saw in me. He's like, you know what? I need you in my band because the guy I have now can't do the fancy stuff and he can't play music, make good music with his guitar. So he needs to get out of there and you need to get in. And I'm like, I've heard this song before. I try to join many other bands because every musician plays with like 10 or 15 different bands to try to make your ends meet. Yeah. So you hopefully don't need to teach guitar to unenthusiastic students anymore. That's the idea, right? <laughs> so the, uh, uh, basically this guy says, Hey, you need to join my band. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Whatever. And then he sent me a video of them playing at the same venue that I was playing to 20 people. And he had 400 people in the audience. And I thought that from the sound that they weren't even that good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was like, well, I don't know what you're doing, but whatever it is, I think I should be part of it. So right. then I got in my first band where that band was a steady paycheck and that changed my life. I was like, okay, it is possible to do this. And that's what gave me the um, encouragement to start Judson Brown Band because it was like, yes, if we have it, a good product that we can play with three people, mm-hmm. uh, I can make money with this when my other band's not playing and I can do my original songs too. And it was basically the idea that, yes, you can if you get to a certain level of quality and a certain amount of name recognition you can make money doing this, playing mm-hmm. live. 
And so I was like, okay, cool, I'll do this. And that band's not always playing mm-hmm. um, because you can only play so much well, under one name before you saturate a market. So yeah. then I'll start my own band mm-hmm. and it'll be completely different where we'll be doing pop and rock music with country instrumentation, sort of. And it'll be different enough from my other band that people will come out, uh, a different group of people will come out to see this mm-hmm. and I'll be able to do my originals. And then I was like, okay, cool, I found a niche where I can make money as music, but I still kind of fell into it. Mm -hmm. And then uh, if I'm being honest, kind of the point where I decided I needed to be a musician, if I'm being honest with myself, was last year during the pandemic when I couldn't play. Mm. So I did, uh, you went out and started a studio. (laughs) I went out and helped my uh, friend um, (laughs) with one of his businesses Mm -hmm. that he worked for uh, doing work that wasn't music. And, oh, my God, that was when I realized, okay, I need to be a guitar player, not because I hated the work or I wasn't good at it. I was good at it. Mm -hmm. Not amazing at it, but, like, really good for somebody who just started. Mm -hmm. And it was like, yeah, you're you're really good. Like, you're a good worker or something, something, something. And every minute I was there, I was like, I am wasting my life because I need to be making music right now. So, really, last year is when I realized that... Uh, consciously, this is the only option for me. Well, so, okay, so you've been involved then predominantly in the performing show gigging world. So you got to have a couple stories of times where just everything went wrong. And it was not funny then, but it's kind of funny now. All right, well, I'll share share some of these. I want to hear some of those stories. I mean, this is public knowledge, I think. So um, first one... I'll just go with what came to mind first. Right. Uh, this is a story about, this is another Bella Kane story. Uh, we got to this place. It was called the Lake Marie Lodge. Okay. The owner of this bar had been on Bar Rescue back when his bar was called the Dirty Rooster. Okay. Okay. And you can watch the footage of Dirty Rooster on Bar Rescue. This guy was a maniac, kind of crazy, kind of drunk all the time. And though he changed the name of his bar, he did not change his ways at all. We got there. There was supposed to be a tent. There was no tent. It was supposed to be basically just a... Uh, there's supposed to be a bike ride, like a motorcycle bike ride, right? Mm-hmm. That got canceled, so it was just our band playing a show. Yeah. And then... Uh, they were charging something ridiculous, like $20 to come in and and see uh, um, a, a cover band <laughs> that wasn't even a tribute band. Like, we're good, but we're at that point, this is years ago, we weren't worth $20 a ticket. Right. And <laughs> this guy, it starts raining. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it, and uh, so this is a disaster from start to finish. We haven't even played a note yet. And uh, this guy starts starts pounding shots <laughs> of everything, you know. He's just, just pounding shots, and we're playing, and then it starts really raining. So we say, all right, there's no way this show is going to go on. We're going to set a speaker up inside your your your, your venue, and we're going to do like a small-scale kind of semi-acoustic thing just to, to the people that did come out and are still here waiting for a show just to give them something. Right. And the guy is so pissed off, and he goes to my drummer, who's our band leader, very he's our, our fearless leader in that band and uh he, he heads up he, he's like 
for some reason, he's pissed. Uh-huh. Just pissed. And he, he goes uh, to my drummer. He's like, he's going to fight him. <laughs> and my drummer <laughs> drops his bag, punches him in the face as hard as he can, <laughs> and he falls down. And did you still play the show? No, no, we were done. <laughs> we we got we, we all we we all we didn't get out. Of, well, we all kind of regrouped back at the stage. The cops got called. It was a whole thing. Oh. There was a court. There was an out of court settlement. Oh, <laughs> all that. He just did the math. He read just my drummer Rob. I love you. He he did math and realized, yeah, I could probably handle the legal repercussions of jacking this guy in the face, and it's totally <laughs> worth it. That's amazing. Yeah, so that's the one that came came to mind first. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's other ones like uh, we were playing at Nico's. You know, the venue that you saw us and and Nico, he's a he's a trip. Uh, <laughs> I got two Nico stories. Uh, one, I was playing with my cover band, and uh, spontaneously, the entire crowd in the entire mosh pit area spontaneously. Uh, spontaneously broke out in a fist fight like instantly <laughs> like it was weird now i there's been fist fights at shows there's sure. been things i've had to get on the microphone and be like hey don't hit her or like <laughs> get this guy out security get this guy out of here you know these lame lame um country country boy like talk to the audience awkwardly over the microphone things right uh, i've done plenty of that but i've never once seen an entire uh, entire uh crowd uh just spontaneously erupt into a fist fight and another time i was playing there with my band Uh uh-huh and it was for a bike rally and the guy that owned the bike rally (laughs) decided hey we're gonna have some go-go dancers on the stage is that okay and i'm like they're not gonna be on the stage (laughs) but i guess they can go on the rocks in front of us they weren't go-go dancers they were freaking strippers (laughs) that and here's the thing we didn't change our set list At all. Mm -hmm. We're still playing modern pop country, but not like, uh, I mean, there's some modern pop country that you could strip to, but we're (laughs) playing like Chicken Fried by Zach Brown Band. And I'm like, all right, girls, see if you can dance to this. And I'm playing, you know, I'm Chicken Fried. (laughs) They're trying to sexy dance to it. That was a disaster. Um, uh, I think my band refuses to play Nico's to this day because that was just embarrassing. Although you're playing tonight. That's no, no. Bella Kane's playing tonight. <laughs> okay. My band will never play there. Again. I got gotcha. you. Gotcha. And Colleen's band, uh, her cover band, uh, also played there too. But it's like we're not. I'm not putting my name <laughs> with Nikos anymore. Although right, I've right, just right. given him so much food publicity by talking about it on, on your podcast. Hopefully, the audience is international enough that they won't. Oh yeah. Filter. We we have a wide deep audience. Okay, cool. So that's all I'll say about that. But yeah, seeing anyone trying to pole dance to Chicken Fried is. Is a, that's a trip. It's a, it's a trip. It's a yeah. story worth telling. So have you had much experience in the studio as a musician? I know you've produced most of the album, like the albums that your band has done, that Judson Brown Band's done. Yeah, I, I mean, I have. I did, I did all the guitar work for, um, I mean, every band that I'm in, I usually just did the guitar work. Yeah. And my own albums, I did the drum programming, mm-hmm. all the guitar work, the piano, the bass. Uh, the, on the demos, and then some of it I kept, and then the bass player went and replaced the other. I did some some corporate work. Uh, a band I was in, we did a, we did a recording for Northrop Grumman, okay. and uh, we just parodied uh, the Flashdance song, mm-hmm. except instead of 
uh, what a feeling beans believing it was Northrop Grom and Northrop Grom and and just I played all the guitars and keyboards in the background of that and that was fun but uh, so as a musician in the studio have you had like bad experiences or kind of like especially since you're coming at a spot where you've been the in the producer chair for music especially your own music I've never had any bad experiences in the studio um, mostly it mostly been just like uh well I mean the, the most no everything was fine cuz I've done a couple of things as sessions I did one last year two years ago i think it was the last time it was a studio that was it was closing mm-hmm. and it was like the last recording session we did there it was a christmas song this guy wanted to record and i played a guitar on it mm-hmm. and it was just you know here's the song yeah. i made a national number chart out for it so i knew where the changes were and i just came in and played my guitar and it was mm-hmm. it was mixed like guitar uh is typically mixed in modern recording so like kind of off to the side in one channel you know and yeah and that was my part i didn't get to do any flashy solos or anything like that right um i've never had a negative experience in the studio the only time was uh, i was making some demos down in nashville and it's just like the producer of the session plays all the instruments mm-hmm. and even if you're a good guitar player you don't get to play on it you just get to sing on the session and i was background vocals so i was like all right cool i'm gonna just watch how you do everything and then take what i can get from that because all i'm doing here is singing these like six lines in the, yeah. in the chorus right <clears throat> so something you said earlier that i said we'd circle back to is stuff like you were originally going to pursue like producing music and being an audio engineer and and you did that for a time and decided it wasn't your thing, right? Yeah. So tell me about that. Why was it not your thing? And Well, it was mainly mainly working with people. I had a, a band that I, I came in and recorded uh, called, uh, they were called Dying Like Us. Okay. Which, now that I think about it, was probably just a, a parody of the TV show Dead Like Me. Um, but they were they were kind of like a, a gothic funeral uh, post post something. I don't know, the post something band. I'm not sure what genre they were post, but they was post whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. And they weren't very good, but they refused, just would not listen to any suggestion I had. Mm-hmm. And uh, but also, you know, I was learning too, and they expected me to make them sound. Uh, like professional mm-hmm. when it's like, well, I can only record the sounds that that you're making. Mm-hmm. And even then, like, yeah, I could have recorded the sounds better. I could have had a better room, but like, I, w- I think I was charged them some ridiculous, like, like cheap, like exploratory rate. <laughs> and yeah. they were like, Oh, it's like, these recordings aren't very good. I'm like, you're not very good. Like, <laughs> so, I mean, I'm not going to say that it was all their fault or all my fault, but it was just like, okay, that was, I didn't really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And then I've worked with other bands. It was hard getting paid by bands because I wanted to work with bands. Probably had I done commercial work instead, mm-hmm. I might have been a little happier with it. But I really wanted to watching other guitar. I guess this is why in Nashville, when if you go and do a, a demo, the producer plays everything. This is like kind of like they are because it's like, well, if you want the Nashville sound, you got to do this, this, this. Mm-hmm. It's kind of tacitly implied that you won't have anyone, uh, you won't have to deal with any of the stuff that I did up here trying to record bands, which mm-hmm. is, you know, have a guitar player that can can't play the part, like mm-hmm. do take after take after take. When you'd be like, just give me the guitar and let me play it. Right. 
you know, which is probably the most frustrating thing I had, which is like, okay, well, if you let me play this part, I'd get it done and it would sound good mm-hmm. and it'd have the right tones yeah. and everything. But to get you to do it, it's going to take me like six hours <laughs> to get you to record this part right. And a lot of the things that I was frustrated with trying to be a producer, mm-hmm. um, I've realized how the professionals solved it, which is just like, yeah, you don't get to play on your record. <laughs> <laughs> and so like... Uh, I don't know, maybe if I realized that earlier, I'd be like, oh, maybe I could have been a producer. I'd be like, all right, fine, play me the guitar part. Got it. Now I'm going to play it on the record because you suck. <laughs> right. Well, and I think to be a good producer, like there's, there's living in that tension of I want to create your sound as best as possible, but I'm only working with what you got. But like the, the creative mind is such like a fragile thing, right? And so like in a situation like that where they're not like super good, if they're receiving, can you do it again? That was awful. They're not going to be like, you're right. I can do better. They're going to be like, man, I suck. And it's just not going to climb up. You know, I think you hit it on the head why I don't do that. Anymore. I was going to say, you don't seem like the kind of person to like shepherd someone and be like, listen, man, like it sounds really good. Let's just like keep trying it. Seem like I, you're the guy that's like, listen, <laughs> I know I can do better than you. I don't want to be rude about it. So maybe I just shouldn't be in this chair. <laughs> Correct me if I, I'm wrong. I think, and I, I'm not going to correct you. Actually, I will correct you. I didn't say that. Mm-hmm. I said, try it again. Just try not to suck this time. Oh, right, 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 right. That was one of my favorite phrases. <laughs> and I wish I was joking. Yeah. Well, I wish I was joking. I mean, I think the beauty of that is the self awareness that you have of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Like, all right. Thank you for finding something because. Well, I thought you'd just say the beauty in that is you're a dick. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because here's the thing. Like, there is so many different avenues for in the music industry that require different skill sets and personalities. And, like, the personality that I may have in a producer chair isn't as attractive on the stage. You know what I'm saying? Like, you are more gifted at having energy and working a crowd than probably a producer who is working with someone, like, in the studio. You know what I'm saying? Interesting theory. That's my theory. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, yeah, you're probably right. Uh, you're probably way better at that than I would be. Ah. So I think you're following uh, a better, a better path for, for you than it would have been had I tried to try to do that. That's why I got out of it. Cause it's like, yeah, not great at being a producer of other people. Cause then at the end of the day, like you need to be able to turn out a product that, mm-hmm. like you said, is the best version of these people yeah. that you can get. But at this and in saying that, like you need to be able to turn out a product that when they hear it, they're like blown away. Like this is mm-hmm. this is really good. I didn't know I could sound that good. You know, right. you pull it out of me, and it's a combination of you know, talent and skill and their performance, but then also the way you produce it and the way you mix the energy in the room, like you need to get those recordings as loud as possible while still Mm -hmm. sounding dynamic. Yeah. And you're, if you're making music in your studio, people are comparing it to what they hear on the radio. Yeah. And those recordings cost millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. They use the best preamps they use the best plugins they use the best analog gear to run them through and they use some of the most experienced mixing and mastering engineers to get them to sound loud and good at the same time and some of it 
I mean, some of it during the height of the volume wars back in the 2000s, some of it sounded awful. Mm-hmm. But if you put on a new Luke Bryan record, yeah, hypothetically, mm-hmm. if you can get past the sound of Luke Bryan's voice, unless you like Luke Bryan's voice, <laughs> which in which case you don't need to get past the sound of Luke Bryan's voice, right? It sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds really expensive, mm-hmm. and if you're doing a rec- rec- record, if you're doing a recording for somebody, yeah. and producing a record, and it mm-hmm. doesn't sound as good as a Luke Bryan record to them, they're gonna blame you, not themselves. Right. You know? So uh, those are a lot of reasons why I don't record for other people. Right. Yeah, it can get stressful all of those factors. Like there's a lot more going on than just like, I'm going to record what you're doing and be like, here you go. There's, there's a lot to it. Yeah. You could do live recordings, you know, it's true. Then like, there's not, I mean, you could do some stuff in post, some creative stuff like discreetly, but I mean, really what you get is what you got. Yeah, You just, I mean, you know, you can adjust the compressor on the kick drum and be like, Oh, it's a little more open. If I do it like if I increase the attack time now, yeah, the clicks really coming through. Like that sounds bad. You know, (laughs) like that's your creative control. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, what uh, what's your like next steps from here? So right now you're busy playing some 200 shows a year between both of your bands, doing all the things, not producing, unless the, it's your own stuff. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, that is. I mean, that's the next thing is uh, we're working on a new album, so mm-hmm. I'm writing songs. I think I'm probably done writing songs for it. Are you gonna because- delve into the cinematic rap genre? Because I think you could do that great. Uh, cool. Um, probably no. I always you definitely do, I, should. I do like one. I do. I do like one rap influenced song every album. So you know. All right. All right. Who knows? Uh, I'm more more into stories now. Yeah. Um, because like I don't always do stories. I don't know. Like right now. Stories like ballads? cinematic cinematic raps. No. It's just... <laughs> I need to look. Is that an actual genre? I mean, I don't know if word for word that's a genre, but like you can envision it. It it exists. Of course, yeah. Yeah. All right. So you're thinking like string scores with rapping over it. Yeah. Like Like epic movie music with a rapper. All right. Cool. I mean, I have a violin player, so you know we can make it happen. I would love to hear that. All right. Cool. Well, that'll be the next thing. So I here's the thing that I need to work on now. Uh, obviously doing, doing the new record stuff. I know how to do that. I know how to make a record for myself, Yeah. but, uh, it's the social media content generation treadmill is something that like we were getting all right at it during the pandemic, but then once the shows came back, mm-hmm. it just got buried and, uh, not enough time to do any of that. Right. So, you know, that when it slows down in like mid September, Mm-hmm. As in, like, only three shows a week and not six shows a week, seven shows a week. Then, right. yeah, the next step is content generation. So, you know, little short videos, mm-hmm. little short videos, little short songs, you know, finding uh, ways to increase the reach for the original music through content generation. That's always fun. Yeah. Although I found out on, uh, we did, <laughs> I did a test last week and I'm going to make a little video for it. Um, a little, like, talking what do you call the types of content where it's just like the guy talking about something like like it's just like a talking head kind of thing yeah well i don't know like you know we all watch youtube channels and sometimes Mm -hmm. it's people playing music and i 
immediately click off that crap because right, I don't right. want to watch it. But like, mm-hmm. if somebody's talking about like their favorite guitar pedal, I'll be like, ooh, let me watch this. Oh or, yeah, they're like review videos and stuff like that. Yeah, review yeah. videos or somebody complain. Do you watch Rick Beato at all? No, I don't. Oh, you really should being a producer. I really should. Yeah. So anyway, Rick Beato will do a video every other week where he's ranting about something. He does content videos where he talk, discusses music theory or. Um, why? What makes a song great? Or okay. production techniques? He does all that stuff, but mm-hmm. then he also talks about like problems with the music business. So yeah. I want to do one of those videos, whatever it's called, where basically we did a test. I had um, a video with original audio mm-hmm. of a song that I wrote, which is basically about how many cups of coffee I drink a day. Right. It's a funny song. <laughs> I did that. We released it on our channel. I'm going to get like, I don't know, 100, 100 views or something like that. Yeah. And then I did another video on my cat's channel because my cat has its own own Instagram account. That's wonderful. And uh, that one was just her wearing a backpack walking through the yard. Uh-huh. But we used Pitbull's backpack as the soundtrack. Yeah. And they showed it to so many more people. I don't know whether that's because that backpack song is freaking awesome <laughs> or... Sh- songs or videos with a commercial song through their partnership with Spotify Mm -hmm. just get pushed to more people because Mm -hmm. they want to encourage that. So it's like, how would I increase my reach Mm -hmm. with original audio versus Mm -hmm. that? Or if I, and the test I got to run next week when I have a second to do it as, uh, well, what if I synchronize one of my own songs that's available on Spotify. Would yeah. that get shown to more people? Is it just the mm-hmm. artist's popularity mm-hmm. will affect how many people the algorithm shows it to? Mm-hmm. Or is it just anything that uses Spotify audio is automatically shown to more people? I don't mm-hmm. have the answer to that because I haven't done the right. you non-scientific to- experiment of doing it with like two videos. <laughs> Sounds like you need to hire a marketing guy. I do need to hire a marketing guy. I need to hire a manager, you know, because yeah. <laughs> I only want to do the creative <laughs> side of things. I don't want to do any of this <laughs> other stuff. Well, you could get there. So then like a couple steps forward, like <clears throat> big picture, if you could have a dream role in the music industry where you'd want to climb to and like this is the spot, like where would it, uh, what, what would that be? A performing artist. So I want to, <laughs> I want to do the same thing I wanted to do when I was 16. I want to play my original songs mm-hmm. and I want to be able to play live with my own songs and make mm-hmm. money like yeah. I'm doing now preferably a lot more money because money is good mm-hmm. it solves so many problems like all the problems that involve not having enough money solves those makes sense it yep. probably creates new ones <laughs> I can't imagine what those are but <laughs> right uh, yeah, so that's what I want to do. The things that have changed is that I no longer see myself as the guitar player in a band. Now I realize, oh no, I'm the artist, I'm the singer. Mm-hmm. I do play guitar. It's I'm glad I learned how to play lead guitar cuz there was nights that, you know, like my voice is feeling tired cuz it's the eighth show of the week or something like that. Yeah. And wow, I'm not going to be able to impress people with my high notes today. Uh good thing I know how to play this cuz I could just do a 10-minute guitar solo and <laughs> bring, you know, I I'm good for one of those, you know. You right. can do that. But yeah, now it's like, okay, now I'm the artist, I'm the songwriter, I'm the singer, but so it's changed a little bit. Yeah. Um from wanting to just be the guitar player in a in a band somewhere, but yeah. that's what I want to do. That's that's, cool. that's where I want to end up is being able to do my own songs cuz now I try to find 
every time I sing a song, I try to find not necessarily what the artist that wrote it was trying to create uh, convey emotionally, but I try to find the emotional message of any song, no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. Like you can take the most pop country song ever made. Well, I don't know. It's debatable whether it's Body Like a Back Road or Cruise by Florida Georgia Line, but like. Uh, as, as as vapid and commercial as that song is, it's essentially a song about true love at first sight. Mm-hmm. So I can think about that, and I can think about an, uh, parts of my life that that resonates with me. Yeah. And I can be like, all right, I can put myself in that emotional state, and I can sell this song emotionally. Mm-hmm. And that's like the extreme example, because that song is overplayed. It's a, actually a good song, but it's overplayed to the point where now it's terrible. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Um, there's other songs that there's no way you can find it. Mm-hmm. But if I write a song myself, then I know what I was trying to write. And I have yeah. ultimate control over that. So, like, and I know I've written songs. I know I have songs out there where I was just technically trying to sing a mm-hmm. song. And I finally got enough hours and experience and finally... Maybe maybe part of it was that COVID thing and emotionally realizing that this is what I need to do, where now I'm finding that the goal as a singer yeah. is to find an emotional connection with the song. And your job is to not only portray that to the audience, but it's to actually get there yourself as yeah. you're performing. Mm-hmm. Like you need to take, I need to put myself in the emotional state this song is trying to go. I mean, and... You could listen to it and find something different, like because mm-hmm. everyone experiences the same events with their own uh, lens. Yeah, and I just, you know, realized it's like, okay, well, I can't control that, but I can put myself in the state that I want, you know, the, that that made me want to write the song yeah. or find the connection with those lyrics, and like that's my my goal every time I sing a song. And so I'm trying to find that connection with my own songs. I want to be able to do that. And if I can do that every night on the stage with stuff that I wrote, mm-hmm. um, I feel like it'll be a lot closer. Cause somebody asked me, um, like a friend of mine posted on social media about you play the song that you want, uh, like play your favorite song, not the most commercially successful song that you know, mm-hmm. or what's going to please the audience most play the one that made that you love. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he knew what cover song cause he's doesn't write songs yeah. necessarily. And he's, he knew exactly what to play. And somebody asked, I remember like a year ago, somebody asked me that same question and there's not a cover song in the world that I would say is my favorite song. Mm-hmm. And uh, somebody asked me that last night I was playing. And I, uh, you know, I one of my songs that's on my first album is called Dreamin'. And I looked over and I said, I wrote the song for Colleen because she always makes me, she, she's the one that made me want to try for something better. Yeah. To, to become more than what I was. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time I ever dreamed about being something more than I thought I could be. So I wrote that song for her, and that's the one if people ask me, like, play your favorite song, I play that one, because it's the one that means the most to me. Yeah. So this album that you guys are working on, are a lot of the songs that you wrote on this album in that that vein, that personal side? Yeah. This is probably the first time that 
almost every song is autobiographical um, to a point. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is one song which is probably I don't know. It's it's one of a, we've been playing it out and people like it a lot, which is nothing to do with me. It's just a story that I've made up in my head. Yeah, but um, you know, it's maybe yeah. you'll find down the road that it has some sort of secret connection to you that you didn't maybe realize it is. when you wrote but it. But here's the thing, like. Uh, I've been listening to another podcast called Cocaine and Rhinestones, okay. which is, uh, I didn't know it at the time, but the guy that does it is David Allen Coe's son. Okay. Um, oh, nice. I don't know if you know David Allen Coe at all. No, not personally. He's the guy that was fit. <laughs> Thanks. Yes. Obviously, you don't know him personally, <laughs> but uh, he has he had a big hit with uh, Steve Goodman's song, You Never Even Called Me By My Name. Okay. And... Uh, anyway, so this guy, he's talking about uh, the whole second season of his podcast is about George Jones and his career. And I never really thought about George Jones too much because he sings he sings old country music. I sing modern country music. Like, I like pop songs. And Johnny Cash always said, like, when they asked him, who's your favorite country singer? He's like, you mean besides George Jones? And a lot of his contemporaries and other people throughout, you know, the 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s, they would say, who's your favorite country singer? And it's like, well, besides George Jones, it would be blah, 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 because he was considered the greatest country singer. It's like, why is he the greatest country singer? He's like, he can't do what Bruno Mars does. Like, what mm-hmm. makes this guy so great? And that's because every time he sung a song, he found the emotional connection to it, mm. which I won't say is what country music's all about. That's what music's all about. Yeah. Like, if you're just doing a straight read or just trying to throw as many technical runs into a song as you possibly can, you're not doing what you're doing that's like saying you're an actor mm-hmm. and all you do is look pretty on camera you know yeah and, and just there's speak a couple lines yeah and there's there's it's like oh well look at how good he looks look at how good his chiseled face is like yeah but he's not making you feel anything mm-hmm. you know and that's the whole point of music so even if i'm doing a song where i'm telling a story about somebody else yeah like there's uh emotion in that song that that's your job as the singer is to find that emotion. Mm-hmm. And so uh, obviously it's easier with ones that are strictly autobiographical, but you know, um, any song that you write or perform, you should be able to find it. Yeah. With the exception of I Love My Country by Florida Georgia Line, I'm on record as saying there's no way to find an emotional connection <laughs> with that song. I've been saying it all week. I, it, just, it just hit me. Like, uh, it hit me last Friday. I was trying to sing it. I'm like, there's nothing in this song that I can find. Uh, and I, I like a lot of Florida Georgia Line's music, but that that's freaking song, man. Um, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, but so that's the album that I'm working on now. My entire goal with everything is to find an emotional connection with each song and if i mm. can't do that with the song then it won't be on the on the album that's cool and i have enough songs where i think i can do it they're all um yeah they're all they're all fairly fairly autobiographical so cool. it should be easier this time out rather than just uh because, you know, we've all written songs where it's like, this song sounds like it should be on country radio. I'm going to record it. And then it's like, yeah, there's you're not going to you're not going to be able to compete with the people that are doing the music just as vapid, mm-hmm. but with millions of dollars behind them with their right. vapid song. But you might have a shot if you're being honest with yourself. Yeah, I like that. When is do you know when the album's going to be done? Uh, we're looking at hopefully being done by. Mm, 
I I don't want to say December of, of this year because uh, that might be a little too soon. But, sure. You know, definitely, uh, definitely early 2022. Cool. And. Uh, Still not sure whether or not I should, you know, be filming music videos the entire time so I have enough content uh, available to just right. bombard everyone. We're gonna, I'm gonna have more time off this, this, um, you know, once we're not depending on how COVID uh, ramps up, I might have a lot more time off this time. <laughs> right, that's the spirit. Yeah, I no. mean, well, <laughs> my spirit is that if if COVID shuts down the. Uh, shuts down the performance side of things. I have enough money to just um, pour myself into the creative yeah. and content generation side of things yeah. for however long that may be. So we're ready with a constant stream of social social media tie-ins mm -hmm. to uh, promote the record when it comes out. Love so. that. Well, how can people follow you on different social media things? Well, you can find me at uh, judsonbrown.com. That will direct you everywhere search judson brown band on itunes spotify and everywhere else you stream your music to find mm -hmm. that we are judson brown band on instagram we are judson brown band on facebook we are judson brown band on tiktok but i have not posted a single <laughs> tiktok yet but by god when we're ready they will be there love that i'm not sure what we're going to do i i'm not sure what tiktok is yet <laughs> <laughs> I know I need to be on there, and uh, and besides, the China already hacked into my phone and installed the app without asking me. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on the show. This was fun. Yeah, I had a good time, and again, uh, a lot better than I expected. Ah, oh, thanks, man. I get that too much. <laughs> no, thanks for thanks for coming. It was cool catching up and hearing some of the crazy things about your life, and uh, lots of luck going forward. Yeah, thanks, Jeremiah. Thanks for letting me on uh, for the record. Absolutely. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye.